welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's July 29th, 2020, and today we are joined by Angela Maines for a back to school podcast. Obviously this year's school is gonna look very different. And we are joined by Angela Maines who joined Lifeline's team in December of 2012. She holds a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in family science from Anderson University, a master's degree in licensed professional counseling from Liberty University, and a certificate in play therapy from Capella University. Angela's primary work deals with attachment and trauma in children, adolescents, and adults, as well as helping people with anxiety, grief, depression, anger, marriage, and parenting support. She utilizes TheraPlay-informed practice in her work. Trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy is a trust-based relational intervention practitioner, an eye movement desensitization and reprocessing trained counselor, as well as a prepare enrich facilitator and seminar director. Angela has also been blessed to be able to train in corrective attachment therapy with Dr. Terry Levy of the Evergreen Psychotherapy Center. Angela is passionate about attachment and is excited to work with families who have welcomed adopted and fostered children into their homes with the hope that God will use her as a vessel of healing in their lives. Angela is married to Scott and they have two teenage sons. So we are grateful to be joined by Angela today. But before we are, I want to remind you that just right around the corner is the Run for One. On August 29th, we will host our ninth annual Run for One. We have some live locations, but no matter where you are, you can sign up today to run where you are and support the orphan and vulnerable children around the world through Unadopted. We know that COVID-19 has created much more vulnerability with these populations, and we need your support to come out and run more than ever. So go to Run for One, the number five, k.org again that's run for one the number 5k.org to sign up today to run at one of the live locations or to run where you are Well, a delight it is to have Angela Mange join us on the Defender Podcast again. Uh, and Angela joined our team in December of 2020, and she leads our counseling department, which is helping both uh, those children who have been adopted as well as their parents manage through uh, some of the stress of adoption, some of past trauma that we bring into relationships as parents, as well as that our children uh, bring in, especially children adopted from hard places. Uh, Angela does such an excellent job of leading our team. It's not just located in Birmingham, but throughout Alabama into Georgia, uh, as well as into North Carolina and uh, parts of Mississippi. So uh, Angela, as we start out today, what we really wanna talk about is, is school. And we know that school is starting back up for many of our kids. Uh, we know that some parents are going to have a decision. Do they choose online education or do they choose uh, in-person education? Some of our parents aren't going to have that choice. Um, but we know that no matter if it's going to be online at home, if it's going to be in-person, if it's going to be uh, a hybrid of those, that kids that are coming from hard places, that starting school is just is just difficult. So now that parents now have these tough choices on how to begin school, what would you say is next? 
Well, I think to start, and, and, you know, again, like you said, some people have a choice and some people don't, and the choices we've already made may change. Um, it, it just is kind of a day-to-day thing, but regardless of what you've chosen, way to go, <laughs> because it was a hard choice. None of these choices feel 100% good, and I don't think there's any choice that is a clear this is the right thing for our family right now. Mm. So that can make it even more challenging. So my first step, I think, would just be move forward with confidence. Mm. Know that, okay, this is the choice we've made. We're going to move forward, and we're going to prepare ourselves and our family as best we can for what is a much less than perfect or ideal scenario. Um, And know that, okay, we can move forward with confidence, not because we have confidence in school administrators, teachers, the government officials making decisions, but because we have confidence in who God is and that he is still on the throne and in control, even when much of our world feels very out of control. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just step one. It's just be confident and knowing in what you've already chosen and in knowing that God's going to help fill in the gaps for what is not ideal. Yeah. And I, and I think too, right. And, and help us think through this, that, in one home, you may have children that some, if you have that option, some are better suited for online and some are suited for in-person. Talk to families and especially mamas who worry about showing equity to their kids or are feeling like that's favoritism. Like if I've kept you at home, that's favoritism. Or if I've let you go with your friends, that's favoritism. Help mamas especially think through that as they're even considering different options inside their own home. Yes, most definitely. Well, and we are a family who has chosen two different options for our kids. And I think it's important that you are considering each of your children individually. Fair doesn't mean same. And so helping them to know and understand and be part of that decision, especially depending on the age, like ultimately as parents, that decision lies with us. But it is good to know, hey, what do you think about these things? Here are some of the things we're thinking through. Or this is why we feel like this is a good option for you. Um, This is what we've considered. This is what we know about you. And and really help your children feel seen in the midst of making different choices. Um, It's hard for us. We've got one child who's a little bit more physically, medically vulnerable. And he was leaning more towards staying home, but he's going to go for one class. It's going to be really weird and odd this fall trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, But in the midst of talking through it, you know, that's what we felt like was best for him. Yet our other one's going to go traditional should that happen and we'll be in school. So neither is ideal. I mean, because there's risk either way. Um, But they were both part of that decision. Ours are a little older, so they're able to be. So it's important to know what is your child's capacity? What is their capability? Is your relationship with this child going to be brought closer or further damaged with the choice that you make. Um, And I think those are the the pros and cons. It's really trying to figure out how do we stack up more pros than cons because there's not going to be all one or the other. But really helping your children to understand this is why we think this is best for you because we love you and framing it in that way. Because we see that this is a need that you have, we feel like this is going to be the best option. But we know that this, this, and this are still going to be struggles. And just own it and acknowledge it and be as honest as you can. I know for a lot of our kids, especially those from hard places, you know, structure is important, but also predictability 
And typically on normal school years, we've got the predictability somewhat of knowing what to expect. We may not know who's going to be in their classroom. We may not know the personality per se of their teacher or what struggles will be in their subjects. There's always variables, but we have a date. Uh, we, we have an idea of what a routine will look like. We have an idea of what a schedule will look like. How do we begin to prepare our children for the idea that we don't even know if school really will start when they say it's going to start. That's kind of first. But yeah. then second of all, when it does start, if we do choose a live option, how do we not know that it might go back to online only? Talk to us about how we can prepare our kids for a school year that's usually fairly predictable that really is not at all predictable. Yes, absolutely. So I think there's there's a few things to think about in this. And I, I would say, first and foremost, for you as a parent, the preparation is going to start with you. Um, we know through science, through, you know, things like the polyvagal theory or interpersonal neurobiology, who we are and what we're experiencing is transmitted to one another, whether we are communicating it verbally or not. Mm-hmm. So if you are anxious and if you are worried, if you are frustrated, all of those things are going to be communicated to your child. Even so, with our kids from hard places, they're extra sensitive to that. So they may misinterpret what you're experiencing. And either way, if you're, I would call all of those things understandable, but dysregulation, it's going to increase dysregulation in your kids and create more anxiety, worry, and fear in them. And it's hard right now because there is so much that is unknown It's hard for any of us to avoid that. So I would say first and foremost, as much as you can, just try to help yourself be regulated. And again, resting in the one that we know who's in charge of it all, even even though we don't know what the future holds. And if we can rest there in the way that we communicate things, I think it will help put our children at ease. But with that underlying kind of foundational principle, you know, I kind of was thinking about this in terms of educate, equip and empower regardless of what choice you've made for your family it starts with being as honest and open in an age-appropriate fashion with your kids as you can so if your kids um, have chosen or if you've chosen for them to go back to school make sure they know this is what school is going to look like people will be wearing masks for our school district, one of the modifications they made was kids will carry water bottles rather than using a drinking fountain. That's wonderful. They'll have bottle filling stations. Prepare them for that, but also prepare them for the fact that it's probably likely that your somebody's water bottle is going to fall off the desk during the course of the day and be loud. It's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of different scenarios that that may bring up. So, Know your kids and think through, and that's where the equipping part comes. Help them think through what's going to be hard for you with this. Hey, you really don't like it when you can't see a person's face. So many of our kids have gone through medical trauma. They had surgeries at a very young age, and they may not have a cognitive or explicit memory of that experience, but they may have an implicit fear that comes from seeing a lot of people in masks. So walk through that with them. Help them think through what's going to be hard for you. And then the equipping part comes through. Let's figure out how you can meet that and understand it. Let's anticipate and walk them through what can you do. That's the empowerment piece. 
what are you going to need if you're feeling stressed out from having to have or you know claustrophobic from having a mask on your face all day or just get the sensory feeling of being hot and uncomfortable think through those things what do you as a parent need to do to set your child up for success by talking to their teacher if they're younger you're probably going to need to talk more to the teachers about that um for our son who's who's going to go for one class that happens to be banned, which is probably the worst class he could go for. I want him to be able to sit at the back of the class so that he's not having germs sprayed at him all day. So those are little things to be thinking about. What are the modifications your child will need? Um, because in addition to all of these extra things, you know, the, there's the normal transitions that are already hard for our kids. But talk to them. Tell them, you know what, this is the plan that we're going to prepare for. And it may change. Mm -hmm. Tell them that ahead of time. Help them know that no matter what, we're going to be okay. We're going to figure it out together, and it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's lots of different things like that that you can start walking through, but you do have to think through and troubleshoot the unique challenges that will come. If you need more information on the typical things that come up for kids, um, we have a couple of great articles on our website that you can check out at lifelinechild.org under the resources tab. One is called the ABCs um, of back to school, get, of starting your school year well, something along those lines. The other one is talks about transitions. And those would both be great, great guidelines for you, just with the normal stuff for our kids that come from hard places. But then let's take it a step further to think about what will the unique challenges for this year be? So if your child has sensory issues and, and the loud banging of a metal water bottle hitting a concrete floor is going to set them off, maybe ask their teacher to have kids put water bottles on the floor. Still not ideal. They're going to get kicked, but it might be a, a less of a noise than it would be otherwise. Or talk to the teacher and see how they can brainstorm through that as well. If you're staying home, you have a lot more control over the day-to-day -day schedule which might be right up your alley, and that might be a stressor for you, um, just depending on your personality. But that might be a struggle because every day may feel rather hopeless because it's always the same. Mm -hmm. You know, with typical homeschool, you might be able to go out and go on different field trips or be a part of a co-op, and those may or may not be in place this year. Um, so finding a way to keep a typical schedule but maybe – have something that changes each afternoon that's a little bit more engaging, that's going to feel a little more hopeful and something to look forward to might be helpful. The challenge there might be helping provide social interaction for your kids. So thinking through and giving them access, I know a lot of people have utilized things like Facebook Messenger for kids um, so that they can, can talk and communicate. Kids who are younger that wouldn't typically have a phone um, it could be Zoom meetings or it could be meeting at a park. Um, you know, some of the things we've done in our teen group online is we figured out how to play card games online with one another. Uh, you know, there's, you have to be creative. It's not all ideal, but giving them those opportunities because for our kids, it is a need to be social. It's not, it's not a bonus. It's part of their development. So those are, there's a lot of challenges, but there are some unique ways that we can go about equipping our kids for whatever their reality is going to be. Wow. That was a lot of good stuff. And even as I think through some of the things that you said, you know, one of the ways to prepare and to educate our kids 
is to really even determine what are we telling them about this virus that has changed everything about what's happening in school. And unfortunately, there's so many divergent opinions about this. So they could have a classmate that comes from a home where they do have immunocompromised family members. They're taking a lot more seriously. They could have classmates that they're acting as though this is a, a hoax. So how do we even prepare our kids for the divergent opinions about the virus and everything that's changed, both from virtual classmates as well as in-person classmates? Absolutely. I think the more knowledge, I think people are afraid sometimes that if they tell their kids too much that it's going to overwhelm or stress or make them more afraid. And that is true to a degree. It's got to be accurate information and it needs to be age appropriate. But I think the more that our kids know what truth is, the better. And what did they need to worry about? You know what? Your kids, I have one kid that is like very justice minded and he doesn't like it when other people aren't doing the things that he believes are right. He's very black and white. Um, so help them understand healthy ways to, to, to deal with that, that there are going to be different opinions, but what they need to know is that they need to wash their hands regularly. They need to know that it's important that they keep their mask on, but if they're six feet away or sitting at their desk, if it's okay with their teacher, they might be able to pull it down and get a breath and they're probably going to be okay. But giving them age appropriate, like, yes, we want to be careful. Most people are going to be fine if they do get it, but we want to be respectful. And, and I think Herbie, you've said this a lot. We want to practice good neighbor love. Mm -hmm. And so being a good neighbor means taking into consideration that even if we're not at risk, we want to love each other well. So you can even frame it as this is a good way to show other people Jesus by mm -hmm. doing the right thing for our community, regardless of what the different opinions are. And even if everybody else isn't doing it, you can choose to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to just keeping it simple, but honest and truthful. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and then as I think about equipping, and, and we've talked about this, what are some practical things? And really, it's not just school, right? We're, we're also equipping our kids for the unpredictable because life is unpredictable. What are some just simple ways as well that families can begin now equipping, especially those kids that need that rudimentary schedule and that predictability? What are some just some practical ways to equip them to be ready for the unpredictable? Absolutely. I think some of this too can fall back to some of our more traditional TBRI principles that we talk about a lot. Um, but you can play out these scenarios before they become a stressor. And so I think for our kids, we know they learn so much better through play. So giving them opportunities, grab some Barbies or grab some stuffed animals or puppets, whatever you've got on hand, doesn't have to be anything special. You can even just act it out like role plays, but give them the opportunity to practice like, okay, tomorrow we're going to wake up. We're going to pretend that we're waking up tomorrow morning and we hear that school is now going to be online. Well, let's practice. How are we going to deal with that? Yeah. Oh no. You know, what are we going to let them, let them play out their feelings? Like, yeah, I probably will be pretty sad and maybe frustrated and maybe a little angry. Like feelings aren't bad. Give your child space to feel what they feel and even make it a game of practicing that. But then also helping them know like feelings aren't right or wrong, but what we do with them is what matters. So what do we think our, what could our responses be? And let them play with responding poorly but always end on, on playing it out to respond in an attitude of flexibility. 
sometimes we we like to adopt some scripts or different things like go with the flow like play-doh right play-doh's really squishy so that was a script that we used a lot with our kids growing up of, we're gonna go with the flow like play-doh and we just kind of made it a fun kind of sing-songy thing but those are things that you can start to build in and your children it's going to help them they need the resiliency they need that flexibility to deal with life long term so while it's not ideal this is an important lesson they're going to need no matter what whether there's a pandemic or not so they get that opportunity to practice it i think you can use that same skill set in helping them think through the things that are going to be hard when they go back to school and acting out scenarios, or if somebody makes a comment about why they're wearing a mask when nobody else is, you know, help equip them with the responses they might need ahead of time so that they don't feel caught off guard. So try to anticipate those things and let them practice responding in the way that you hope that they will. Mm. And then just thinking about empowering, I, I, my mind instantly goes to those that are going to choose the online school. Uh, Obviously, we don't know this, but but we do know that school systems that are providing online school have had a little bit more time to think about it than those school systems did in the in the spring. So we've heard it's going to be a bit more rigorous online. Talk to some moms who are going to be really, in a sense, homeschooling for the first time with this new online curriculum. Granted, not all the challenges of homeschool, but where they're also trying to play the teacher or school official, but also a mom and help balancing those roles. How can we empower our kids uh, to help them get what they need in their education setting with mom, but also help them understand uh, that they need to separate also that time with mom after school stopped? Yeah, so I think there's a few things in there that you just pointed out that are really great points. So, and and a lot of people too, the other challenge is not only are they homeschooling, but they're homeschooling or virtual learning, but they're also trying to do that and work. Um, and, And honestly, that's where I find myself this fall. So it's going to be very interesting as they all figure it out. But Helping equip, like you said, empowering them. Like we want to, I want my child to be able to own his education without me having to be looking over his shoulder all the time. And that's going to look different depending on the age of your child. But figuring out how can we start now to put some habits in place to set him up for success. So um, different things to keep in mind. Kids at school don't sit at a computer or at a desk all day long. So building in snack time, building in exercise time, go run outside and play. That's one of the beautiful things is they can have a little more freedom. So especially for our kids who may struggle to sit still that long, they don't necessarily have to. Realize your child may learn differently than what we think in traditional learning. And let's figure out how to cultivate a schedule that's going to be helpful for them. So watch them. You know them well. Let's set them up for success. If their prime learning is going to be in the morning, um, let them let them do it then. You know, I don't know exactly how our virtual learning is going to be set up. So I've talked to my son about, hey, let's set a timer on your phone. This is period one. This is your time to work on this class. This is your time to do this class and to try and help him continue moving. So right now we don't have classes, but we're practicing stopping something fun and doing a chore and then coming back to something fun. So trying to build in and help him learn those skills now before he needs them when school starts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one idea. The other thing is 
just to highlight connection, you know, Herbie, you talked about when mom teacher stops and mom begins, and that's going to be very blurry. And that is a struggle Mm -hmm. for a lot of our, our families. And it's hard to teach your own child. Um, So one, don't be ashamed if you need to ask for some help and get somebody else to help deal with a subject for your kid. Um, that's great. There's lots of people out there. I've seen people looking for retired teachers or grandparents. There's a lot of people in your community or your world. You might be able to even trade with another mom in your or dad in your community to teach different subjects to the other kid or help um, because sometimes that can be tough. But whatever you're doing, try to keep connection at the forefront of your of your goal because at the end of this, if we have gotten straight A's but lost our child's heart, it's not a win. You know, they will make up long-term. I know high school, the stakes are a bit higher, but younger grades, they're going to make up whatever they don't get during the season. Mm. But if your relationship is permanently damaged, then that that's not good. Like, be careful about the battles you're picking and figure out how to collaborate and problem solve together And if your child is completely collapsing over what's happening, take a deep breath and help you both step away. Go gather yourselves before you try to come back to it because that's the ultimate thing is we want relationships to be stronger, not not weaker when this is all said and done. Mm. That's awesome. Kind of as we close, Angela, I, I know unfortunately there's a perception that you go to counseling when things are broken uh, but but counseling is not supposed to be that last ditch effort, uh, but something that you're doing to help you ever get to that broken place. Um, I think there's a, been a narrative for so long that uh, that in a sense weak people go to counseling, but that's also not true. Uh, the strongest people are those that receive counseling, and that's biblical, right? There's wisdom in many counselors, says the Word of God. Um, we seek those things out, especially when they're from a biblical worldview. So kind of as we close, we know that life creates a lot of counseling opportunities, but certainly this upcoming school year is going to create some counseling opportunities too. help people know, okay, when is it time that we need to seek out counseling? Number one, and then number two, how can they get in touch with your team to go ahead and schedule that? Absolutely. You're speaking my love language, Herbie. Sometimes it's like we get involved so late that it's a lot harder to help. So I always say early and often, if you have an issue that you have tried to solve on your own on more than one occasion and it's not being effective, it's not helpful, seek out some support. We, We now are even better equipped than we've ever been to do that because we have a couple levels of helping. You know, there's a lot of different, some things are just learning, how do I do this therapeutic parenting and apply it? It's so different than what I learned growing up. It's so different than what the church has taught in the past in some ways. So we all come with a very different idea. And I think what we're putting out there to parent is very biblical, but it may be different than what we thought was biblical. So utilizing those coaching services to help with some of those problem-solving, parenting kind of issues is so helpful. Learning how to apply what you might have learned in your pre-adoption education. That's what that service is there for. Or just for some of the, okay, my child's hoarding or my child's eating, you know, um, 
to the point of throwing up or, you know, all of the different things that kind of come up topically, sleep issues, coaching can be very helpful. Our coaches are also wonderfully equipped to know, okay, this is beyond what I can do for you and we want you to be able to go deeper through counseling. So counseling is there. We are there for parent support. We are there to help with family dynamics that have not been helpful. School often brings out an inner working model in our children that's not helpful. It brings up a lot of shame and that can come out in blaming, fighting, belligerent, you know, it, it's just not good. It creates kind of a toxic home environment and it's really hard, but it's a normal, it's a, it's a typical part of adoption that can come up. So a lot of times I think parents are afraid to reach out because they feel like they've done something wrong or they haven't therapeutically parented well enough. You could do all the things right with therapeutic parenting and still have issues. And that's okay. That's what we're here for. This is hard. Um, and there's, there's some scars that are created with adoption that are not always easily fixed. And sometimes you need help to know how to get in there and surgically address the issues that you're facing. And that's what we're here for. That's what we love doing is wrapping around. We are not here to judge. Uh, it's Parenting is hard, and then you add trauma, you add adoption in, and it's even harder. So we want to walk alongside and help guide and love you well to where you guys can come to a place where your family is functioning in a more effective way. So whether that's something you feel like is relatively minor or more intense, like we are here, so please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you can call Lifeline's main number, or you're welcome to email counseling at lifelinechild.org. I think there's also a place on the website to inquire um, that you could fill out a form, a contact form, and we would happily get back in touch with you. Well, Angela, we appreciate it, and what great advice as we look forward to the unknown with school this year. And again, I just would want to reiterate, if you have entered into a challenge that you have tried uh, intervention on personally and it's not working, to please reach out to this awesome team. Uh, Angela, Ashley, Mo in Birmingham, and we have others throughout the state of Alabama as well as the Southeast. It would be grateful. And even during this time of COVID-19, most of our counseling can be done virtual. So if you're in an area where we don't have a live counselor currently, we can still help you walk through that from a biblical and from a biblical driven, uh, family friendly, Christ exalting, but also professionally literate place to help you with the attachment and trauma that you may personally be dealing with or you and your child may be dealing with together. So Angela, thank you. And we certainly are praying for our families as they get ready to go back to school. Thanks for listening to The Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review The Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.